I've chosen for the anchor text for this series of messages a somewhat obscure passage of scripture that's lifted from Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. Uh, We're going to pick up the verse almost mid-sentence because the first half of the verse speaks of those who will be duplicitous and, and unsure about their relationship with God. In fact, the first half of the verse references people who would be experiencing a great apostasy and a falling away from God because of the circumstances of the day. In fact, this verse is speaking prophetically of the times in which we live right now. The good news is that God has always preserved for himself. God has always reserved for himself a remnant. A remnant. That is a subset of what everybody else is doing. And what this verse is alluding to and what Daniel is declaring prophetically is uh, concerns the day and the time in which we live. That there would be a falling away, but side by side with those who fall away. In the midst of this apostasy, that there would be a remnant set apart, set aside, dedicated to God. My prayer is that everyone in this room this morning, that everyone under the sound of my voice, would be numbered among the remnant. The few and the proud who are dedicated exclusively to God's service and a life dedicated to God's purposes. You guys know that 2018 is our year of legacy. And God is bringing our church into a place where we are learning to live beyond today that we're beginning to think in terms of legacy. And you've heard me say this before, if you can decide how you would like to be remembered, it will govern how you live. Most of us don't sit long enough to consider that when it's all said and done, what are people saying about us without having to lie or exaggerate? Because that is often the dilemma of many pastors. That you go and officiate a funeral, and you almost got a freestyle. In fact, I believe it was C.L. Franklin, Aretha Franklin's dad. True story, no exaggeration. Officiated the funeral of a man in his church. And this was the eulogy. He lived like a dog. He died like a dog. Amen. And he sat down. And the truth is, most of us don't stop long enough to consider how we will be remembered. Because ultimately, that is the question of legacy. And as we look to the text, not only in Daniel 11.32, but as we begin to examine the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, what you will discover is the legacy of ordinary men an ordinary woman who chose to live a life of faith and as a consequence lived lives that pleased God. Notice what the scripture says, that what you and I see is only temporary. What we do not see is eternal. Yet most of us live our lives to appease what we can see. 
and what we see has an expiration date and a shelf life. But there is a life that you and I can live and subscribe to, uh, subscribe to that will outlive and outlast us into eternity. And you've heard me quote the famous line from Gladiator opening scene, Maximus Aurelius, when he says, what we do on earth echoes in eternity. And God, I believe right here in this church, is raising up a remnant who will live their lives considering what their, memory or their legacy will be because the scripture says that the memory of the just is blessed. Meaning when people stop and think about your life, it is a blessing and not a curse. And so Daniel 11.32 speaks of a remnant. This is prophetic. And he's speaking of a remnant. And he says, uh, but the people. Notice that word, but. That sort of conjunction. It is, it is joining. It is marrying two ideas. There is a preceding thought about those who will fall away. But he begins to focus in the B uh, part of this verse. And he says, but. In spite of all that these other people are doing, there's going to be a remnant. A people who will know their God. And because they know their God, they will be strong. And out of that place of strength, they will do great exploits. Say this with me. I was created for great exploits. Not for mediocrity. I'm sorry, that's, that's not that part. <laughs> but y'all a good class though. Y'all were right there with me. Not created for mediocrity. Not created for ordinary. You and I are numbered among the remnant who will know their God. And as a result of knowing your God intimately and personally, you will be strong. Not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and the demands and the pull of culture but standing your ground. And out of that place of great strength, you and I will do great exploits. Hmm. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. So here we go. The Bible is filled with stories of ordinary men and women who did extraordinary things. Because God was with them. And so we're going to look to Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to examine the lives of ordinary men, ordinary women, who did great exploits. The same exploits that God is inviting you and me into. Same exploits. Great things. In fact, the title of this series, again, let me reiterate, is Stronger. I pray that no matter where you find yourself this morning, that you will receive strength for the journey that's ahead. Wherever God may lead you. And again, you guys know that I'm a stickler for this simple principle. That there should not be a separation of what is secular and what is sacred. That your faith and what God has called you to do should infiltrate and permeate every aspect of life and culture. 
That means after you leave here and you interact with your friends, God is inviting you to do great exploits there. After you leave here and you parent, God is expecting you to do great exploits there. You don't check your faith at the church door on the way out. Faith is all-encompassing. It is holistic. And the exploits that God is calling us to do is not just to be a great singer in church. It's not just to be a great preacher in church. God has called each of us. He's called each of us to possess ground for his glory. That's why he told Joshua, everywhere the soles of your feet tread, you will possess. One of the dreams that Wendy and I have always had is that maybe after being here a few years, maybe God will just say, man, you can have that Angelica. And let's make it a house for God. That's right in the heart of the marketplace. Over 40,000 people work here, commute to Legacy Town Center for work. Thousands of them stay right here to eat. What if there was a house of God and a place of worship right here and opportunities right here or in close proximity where 40,000 people every day, every week had a place to connect with God? Who says we can't even think outside the box? Where people's lunch hour, there's a one-hour worship service. I'm just saying. Where when people are struggling on the job, they know I can show up on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday because City Church is having a Bible study or a service and I can come and worship through my struggle. Why can't God do it? The scripture says the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the earth and everything in it, every single inch of dirt everywhere and anywhere in the world belongs to our daddy. And he can move it and shift it and give it to whoever he pleases. We were created for great exploits. And sometimes the frustration as a person of faith is that God ain't moving as quickly as we would like him to. But you guys have heard me define faith, I mean patience, as learning to move at somebody else's pace. That's what patience is. But in the walk of faith, we have to learn to move at God's pace. And I guarantee you, the Lord spoke to us clearly and said, at seven years, there was a completion of a cycle. And that he's giving us new beginnings as we begin our eighth year. If I could script this story, if I could script this story, check this out. By eight years old, we, we would have thousands of people coming to City Church. Thousands. Oh, there are thousands of people. There, there would be, we have a big old mega church. Have we done everything we know to do? Not yet. What happens when God gives you a yes in your spirit, but he says, not yet. I've got an eight-year-old. And when he comes to me and says what he wants for Christmas, it's a yes. 
but it's also a not yet. Because it is for an appointed time. There's nobody in this room who ever struggles when they make their six-month dental cleaning appointment. We don't walk around thinking like, oh, man, when is my dental appointment? Oh, is it going to happen? Because you have an appointment. Your appointment will happen at an appointed time. It will not fail. It will not fail. And y'all heard what I said last year? At the end of last year? In prayer, this is what God said to me. He said, Ray, I'm bringing you into a season where I will do more with less. I don't like that though. Because it's human tendency to say I can do more if I have more. But the life of faith says, with God, I will do more with less. And let me tell you why God does that. So that absolutely nobody, so that absolutely no flesh and blood will get glory for what God does. And that's why the scripture says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 16, Acts chapter 4 and verse 16, it says that a notable miracle was done for them is undeniable and it is evident to all. What God does for our church next, two things, it will be undeniable that God did it. And number two, it will be evident to all. And I'm saying that not only for our church collectively, I'm saying that for you individually because you are the church. That what God begins to do next in your life will be undeniable that God did it. And it will be evident to all. Everybody's going to see it and say, oh my goodness. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. In fact, there are certain people I don't talk to anymore. Let me tell you why I don't talk to them. Because they will try to talk you out of what God is saying to you. They mean well. And a lot of times they're saying it because they, they, they're concerned for you. But sometimes people in their great concern can talk you out of what God told you in private. What am I talking about? Oh, the remnant. God can do more with less. He can feed 5,000 with two loaves and five fish. What you and I have may not be much, but I guarantee you it can multiply by his touch. I'm talking, about the, I'm talking to the dreamers in this room right now. Those of us who say, I can't do it, God. I can't do it, God. I can't do it, God. I can't do it, God, because I need more. And God says, I will do more with less. Because little becomes much in the hands of Jesus. 
but the people who know their God. This ain't for people who have a casual relationship with God. These are people who have a dynamic, living, vibrant relationship with God who God speaks to and who listen for God's voice. They will be strong. These are the ones who will be strong. And these are the ones who will do great exploits for the kingdom. Okay? Man, that was my introduction. Did I freak you all out? Man, I got to go fast. So here we go. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, we find this definition of what faith is. The Bible declares that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Y'all hear that? Y'all see that? Faith is having this confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us this assurance about things we cannot see. Can't see it, can't touch it, can't feel it, but you have this assurance on the inside that it's yours. One preacher of the 20th century, early 20th century said it this way. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Even before I touch it. And may I also add that you and I walk by faith more often than we think. Every time you buy something online, <laughs> you walk in by faith. You believe that you can click a button on your computer, pick what you want to pick, pull out your credit card, give them your information, and in two to three business days, well, 24 hours if you got Amazon Prime, <laughs> it's going to show up at your front door. All you got to go off of. Even before that thing shows up. Is faith. Called a confirmation number. Let me give you one better. For those of you who travel. Every time you make your reservations. You believe. That when you show up at that hotel. There's going to be a room for you. You're walking by faith. And all you've got to go off of is the confirmation number you were given. You believe without hesitation or reservation. You trust that that computer is going to do what it said it was going to do. And it was going to have a room for you and your babies when you showed up. Can I tell you that this book is filled with confirmation numbers for your life? Every single word in this book is a confirmation from God himself that he will do what he said he was going to do even though you don't see it yet. Amen. In fact, we say seeing is believing. God says believing is seeing. All right. I got to get ahead of myself because here's the deal. In Hebrews chapter 11, I promise you, can y'all give me 15 minutes and I'm done? 15 minutes, please. 15 minutes. Y'all just stay with me. 15 minutes. 
15 minutes. This will help you. This will help you. I'm going to fast forward this thing, and we'll pick up next week where I left off. Faith does not exist in a vacuum. It does not exist in a vacuum, meaning believing alone doesn't get the job done. So, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? James chapter 2 says, faith without works is dead being alone. Dead, unproductive, impotent, being alone. So believing something alone is not enough. Faith must be accompanied with something. And we're going to talk about some of these relationships that faith has with other things. And, and, and so this is where we're going to start. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, in fact, just read along with me. In the New King James Version, uh, I'll just read a few verses. I'll read about five or six verses and, uh, and, uh, and we'll be done for the day. All right. Hebrews chapter 11 beginning at verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, Evidence is actually a legal term in the Greek, that there is tangible evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony, or they obtained a good reputation. They had a good legacy. If you and I, City Church, are going to leave a legacy, a memorable legacy that others want to emulate, It begins by living a life of faith. What what the writer of Hebrews was saying is that everybody we're about to read about, the reason we're even talking about them now, the reason they even had a legacy that was notable enough for us to be talking about it thousands of years later is because they walked by faith. And what God is saying to us today is that you and I can leave a legacy that will outlive and outlast us, but it only happens when we choose to walk this thing out by faith, just like the men and women we're about to read about. Are y'all with me? Number three, uh, verse three, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. It speaks of the creative force of our words. That words, uh, in fact, I like to say it this way, that faith is voice activated. The psalmist said, I believed, therefore have I spoken. What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying to yourself? What are you saying about your circumstances? Because this is what the scripture says. That everything we seen, everything we see was created by the word of God. It is the creative force, the life-giving force of our words. What that means is you and I have the capacity and the ability to frame our world with our words. We're going to talk about this some more. I can't get into it today. We will see evidence long before Tony Robbins and all these gurus started talking about self-fulfilling prophecy. It's been in the Bible. They catching up. To what the Bible has been saying for centuries. The unfortunate thing is, the Bible's been telling Christians about it, and we didn't believe it until Tony Robbins and Oprah started talking about it. We had this secret long before they did. You and I can frame our world with our words, just like God did. Verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, 
through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. I love that. You know why? You know why I love that verse? Because the first human example, listen to this, listen to this, I want you to catch this. The first human example of faith is an example of generosity. The first human example of a human being walking and acting in faith is with generosity. Nothing in our lives reveals our priorities more than what we do with our time and our money. But that's for another week. That's for another week, I promise you. I promise you that's for another week. But notice the priority God gave to generosity as an example of a person who lives by faith. It's what I do with my resources. Man, you're awful quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Here it is. This is where I want to land, and then we wrap it up, man. Man, I got so much here. I got so much. I got so much. Verse 6. I mean, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. However, but... Before Enoch was taken away, he had this testimony. Somebody say testimony. Enoch had a reputation, man. (laughs) Everywhere Enoch went, people knew this. This is what people said about Enoch. Before the Lord took him up. In fact, Enoch has this distinction along with one other person as being a human who didn't see death and was miraculously translated from life into heaven. It's Enoch and Elijah. But it says, before God took Enoch away, this was his legacy. This is what people knew about him, and this is what people were saying about him. He was a man who pleased God. Again, we go back, when it's all said and done, what are people saying about you? That's your legacy. I talk about what you wish people would say. I'm talking about what are people saying behind your back when you ain't looking. Let me tell you the secret to Enoch's life. Point number one, intimacy with God is the seedbed for great faith. Ooh, y'all missed that. Intimacy with God is the seed bed for great faith. Because everything we believe about God determines how we approach God. And this is what I know. This is what I know. Is that every faith crisis is an intimacy crisis because you cannot trust what you do not know. And when it seems like your faith is weak and it's falling apart, it's because there's something in your interaction and your intimacy with God that is lagging. Because the more you know him, the more you trust him. When I struggle with whether or not God will do it, you know what that is about? Something in my intimacy with God is lacking. Because what you will discover, the closer you draw to God, you will discover how much he loves you. 
And from that place of understanding how much you are loved, the sky becomes the limit. Levi will ask me for stuff. That's, that's why I love childlike faith. In fact, one of the greatest gifts I got for my birthday was this Superman thing. Superman cup. And the other day I took it to work. Man, I like me some cranberry juice, yo. Get that crushed ice on the bottom. Squeeze some lemon in there. Pour in that cranberry juice. I'll be sipping on that day, all day like Kermit. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know that little meme? Kermit be sipping on that tea. When I came home, Levi was so excited. In fact, I was in the other room, and Wendy was in the kitchen. And was like, Daddy took the cup to work. Daddy took the cup to work today. You know why? Because in his eyes, Daddy Superman. Not only is Daddy Superman, let me tell you, the, he knows that Daddy loves him. Let me tell you our faith crises, why we experience crisis in our faith. Sometimes it's not because we think that God can't do it. We know God is able because we believe God is omnipotent, that God can do all things. The problem and the struggle is, will he do it for me? That's an intimacy question. God, I know you can do all things, but will you do it for me? Because I know me. And why would you do it for me? Because I know things about me that nobody else sees. And we have a faith crisis because of an intimacy crisis. And we do what Adam and Eve did and we hide, intimacy broken, and we cover ourselves with fig leaves. Let me tell you something about the enemy's greatest strategy. If the enemy can get you to think something about God that is untrue. He has won. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent succeeded over Adam and Eve because they gave him a view, they gave them a view of God that was untrue. The serpent said, look, trust me. God ain't got your best interest at heart. L listen, if you listen to me and you eat this fruit, you're going to get everything you ever wanted. Why trust God? He's withholding stuff from you. He told you not to eat from that tree. Guess what? I'm your friend. You can have it. Because I will give you what you want, but God is a withholder. And if the devil can get you and I to see God differently than who he really is, he wins every time. Because it will nullify our faith. Yeah, God, I know you can do it. But why would you do it for me? And this is what the scripture says. If our hearts condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. Let me tell you about 
the times in my own life when I've, when I've wavered in my faith is when I struggled in my intimacy with God because I forgot how much God loved me. You're not sure about it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, just so you know that Pastor Ray ain't making this up, and I promise you I'm going to wrap it up. This is why, in fact, the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24 that Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. It speaks of the intimacy that Enoch had with God. Now, just a little few quick facts about Enoch. Enoch is the son of Cain, and you guys know that Cain killed Abel. In fact, uh, Cain killed Abel, and he, he goes and hides, and he asks God to protect him. Oh, man, I was going to say something, but I ain't going to say it, because that's a whole other sermon right there. <laughs> I ain't going to say it. I ain't going to say it, because I, ooh, I almost said something was good. It was good. He is the first son, the firstborn of Cain. And uh, Cain builds a city in Enoch's honor. Uh, uh. But here's what I like about Enoch's name. His name is prophetic because his name means dedicated. Come on, somebody. Listen to this, City Church. You can break the cycle. His daddy was a murderer, but Enoch was dedicated. Let me tell you something. That's why you and I can't ride on nobody else's faith. You got to know God for yourself. And knowing God for yourself can mean that you can break generational dispositions. Listen, you know why? Because the heritage you receive, no, no, no. The legacy you leave, the legacy you leave is more important than the heritage you received. My daddy was a murderer, but I'm going to be dedicated to God. And while my daddy did wrong and God marked him, I ain't going to take responsibility for what my daddy did. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be dedicated and I will walk with God. And from that place of intimacy, the Bible says, the Bible declares that Enoch had a good reputation and was translated into heaven. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, and I'm closing. It says, it is impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith. God's greatest pleasure is to be trusted. I want you to hear that. God's greatest pleasure is to be trusted. Ah, man, imagine promising your kids that you're going to get them a gift. And then two days later, your kids are in the, in the guest room and they're playing. And say, I know daddy promised, but he ain't going to do it. How's that going to make you feel? Yet we do that with God all the time. God promised in his word, he ain't going to do it. He ain't going to do it. Why would he do it for me? Every faith crisis is an intimacy crisis. And if we simply understood how much we're loved by God, how much he loves us, it would be impossible. 
almost impossible to doubt his promise because we know that we are loved. And here's why. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 says, faith worketh by love. That word worketh is a Greek word, enageo, meaning that faith is activated and it is energized by love. When I understand how deeply I'm loved by God, it activates and it awakens my faith and my trust in a God that I cannot see. Yet I know that he loved me enough to send his son to die on the cross for me. And every time I'm reminded of how much God loves me, it makes these things that were once seemingly impossible possible because I know that God will do it for me because he loves me. Listen to what Corey Ten Boom said. It says, never be, she, she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I promise you, there was so much more. So much more that I wanted to say that I can't get into today because I got to let you go. But I think this morning God wants to remind us of how much he loves us. He loves me. Say that with me. God loves me. Come on, somebody. Enoch knew that. And from that place of intimacy, oh God, today in spite of our failures and our shortcomings, we know how much we're loved. 